0: see we're gonna get the call here we're getting the right call that's all that matters
1: after review good call. good goal after reviewing the play the call on the ice stands we got a goal. and welcome back to under review podcast i'm greg he's steve Steve, uh, looks like you went to a couple of games this, uh, this past weekend to go see our boy Capo Caco, right? Uh, yeah, not just Caco. I saw,
0: I saw a lot of players. Um, I went to, uh, Germany against Great Britain on Saturday. Uh, so I saw Dreisidel, which is always exciting. Uh, the second game, Finland against Slovakia, which was a really good game, um, Slovakia, of course, beat the United States in, the, in their first game, and Finland beat Canada in their first game. So it was, a, it was an interesting matchup. Uh, and today I saw um, Russia against Austria with Georgiev getting a shutout. Uh, Sweden against Italy with Lundqvist getting a
1: shutout. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a hectic weekend, but a fun weekend. Yeah, but the, the two big games you, that you saw were the uh... – the Finland Canada game, and then the um, and then who was the second game? It was Finland and uh, what am I Finland Slovakia. Slovakia, correct, right? right. Yeah, Finland. The, the team that beat you at the team that beat USA.
0: Yes, yeah, because uh, Slovakia, uh, of course, they play at home, uh, and I mean the vibe in the arena in Kosice was absolutely amazing. Um, personally, I, I'm g- growing up in Europe, I think games in Europe are more exciting from from a f- fans perspective uh because it's just so much more going on in the stands people are singing and chanting and dancing and um in my experience i've been to about 12 13 nhl games in different cities and nhl games are a bit they're, they're a bit more quiet which is not necessarily a bad thing but i just noticed a big difference
1: yeah. I mean, I've never been to a game in Europe before, but, um, and I will at some point this year, which, um, we'll talk about that at, you know, later on in the, in the, uh, the summer, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I've never been to a game in Europe, but I'll tell you this, even just watching some, um, some European soccer games, I mean, they get absolutely stupid, crazy with their chanting and the singing and, and it looks like a blast to be honest with yeah. you. So, um, I'm actually pretty excited to, to, you know, go out to Europe and go, go watch some, uh, some European games. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that you have that take Cause one thing I feel that, um, that, that Europeans do really well, regardless of the sporting event, but you know, they've got some of the best like chants ever, mm-hmm. like they, they really do come up with a chant for everything. Like I'll never forget. This is a funny little Ranger story. Um, this was maybe about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, maybe me and a buddy of mine went to a Ranger Pittsburgh game, right? And behind us were a bunch of Brits. And I'll never forget like, this is their first hockey game ever. They don't know anything about the sport. Me and my buddy had to kind of like teach them about the sport. They just got tickets, like, oh, this looks like fun. We're in the States. Let's go to a hockey game, you know? So they went to the game. And they're behind us and they're making up their own songs as the game yep. goes on. Yep. And that's I'm like, brits. this that's is absolutely genius. I'm like, why don't we do this?
0: Yeah, no, and, and if if you if you look at uh, if, if you look at the Premier League and the fan bases, they come up with songs. There's so much creativity in it. Um, you know, and, and that's just it's a different way of supporting your team. And and also I think in the European way is you support your team. More, you get behind your team when they, uh, when they get a goal against, when they are behind with their backs against the wall. That's when the fans really step in and, and get behind their team and try to push them forward. Whereas in, in North America, in my experience at least, uh, fans usually start singing when their team's ahead, sort of like a reward, if, if I have to describe it. Um, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just different. Is, it's different cultures.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I just, I'm a big fan of it. I just think that the uh, European arenas just have... It's got a vibe that I'm, I, I just dig. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to actually get out there and watch a game at some point. Yeah. So um, Yeah, but the, the, game,
0: yeah, the game Finland against Slovakia was, was great. Um, of course, I went there to see Kapo Kako again. Because um, I saw him uh, this season. I, now I've seen him seven times. Um, and, yeah, the game against Slovakia, um, it was, he, he was a bit quiet in the second period. Um, but his second goal of the game was absolutely amazing. Um, he got the puck behind the net, um, played it through the legs of Martin Fehovari, who was a second-round pick by the Capitals uh, last, last summer, and then back, backhands it through the legs of the goalie. And yeah. if if you look at when you look at that play and you and you tell someone who doesn't know who Kako is, you tell them this kid is 18 years old, they probably don't believe you. He yeah. is doing stuff on the ice that, that you don't expect from an eighteen year old. No, and... I think
1: I think my biggest takeaway from watching both games this weekend is that he is scoring in Many different ways he's scoring that, on a he's really scoring cool. on a breakaway he's scoring you know down low he's scoring from you know above the circle he's you know he's scoring empty net goals where he's actually bullying himself past the defenseman yes he's he's doing every you're you're literally watching like the last two games are a summary of all his skill sets is that he doesn't have too many flaws in his game. Uh, I think me and you have discussed this where the only flaw that I ever see in his game. And like, granted, I've watched a couple of his international games. I've watched honestly, like on YouTube, I've watched a handful of his games, not a lot handful. You've probably watched a a heck of a lot more than I have, but from the little sample size that I've seen, the only thing that he really lacks is that like, I would call that um, that high-end speed. That's basically it. Top speed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, I don't think he's going to, you know, he's 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 not going to be out skating some monster skaters in the NHL. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: No, and he doesn't have to. I mean, he's his first step is great. Um, He just doesn't have the top the top end speed that a guy like McDavid has. Um, But on the smaller rink, uh, I think that's less of an issue. Uh, because the distances are are shorter, you know, uh, like like east west, uh, the rings are the rings are narrow, so you have less ice to to cover. So that as long as that first step is there, and it is, I don't think he's going to have a, have a big problem with that. Uh, but you were talking about his, his empty net goal against Slovakia. Um, yep. that that was just amazing. He's he's not just he's he's overpowering a defenseman who has played uh, more, than, more than 50 NHL games this past season for Ottawa, Christian Jaros? he, he just pushes him away like, like, like a stiff arm in, in football by a running back. It was, it was so unreal to see. And I was watching and, and, and I saw a guy go for the empty net and, and I saw him ha- like push away his opponent and I was like, I wonder who that is because that's not something you expect from an 18-year-old.
1: Yeah, I would even I would even say if I had to pick the two games that he played, I know that he had the hat trick in game, two, which was um, which which is awesome. You got this. You got to see him have, you know, a, another highlight real goal down low. Yeah. But to me, the game against Canada now, granted, there's no John Tavares. You know, there's no Sidney Crosby. There's There's a lot of guys missing, but granted that there's still a ton of guys on there that are all-stars and stellar NHL players. It's not like he's going, it's not like he's playing against, you know, a bunch of beer league guys. He's playing against guys that were either in the playoffs a few weeks ago or are, you know, very, very good NHL players.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, Sean Couturier, how many points did he have this season? I think more than 70. Um, uh, I think Mark Stone was, was, is playing on that team and on, on defense, you have guys like Darnell Nurse, Shea Theodore. Um, who's the guy that, uh Brandon Montour, who was traded from Anaheim to Buffalo. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible how, how he plays against a team that, with so many NHL players. Because I, one of the things that I tweeted out, um, the total number of points for each team in the NHL this season. Finland 18, Canada 821. Yeah. So even though guys like McDavid and Crosby are not there, it's, that that can that Canadian team should still be able to beat Finland. Yeah. And he is he was dominating shifts. He wasn't dominating the whole game because I don't expect an 18-year-old at that level to to be to be that great every shift, but the shifts that he was dominating, he was just he was he was he was playing great. And that breakaway goal against Canada that maybe the best goal I've seen by a teenager in the world championships in my life. Yeah. The way yeah. he, the way he skates away from, I think Montour and Theodore, he gets hooked on the play. He switches to his other leg. He balances almost like a, like a, like a figure skater and then deeks the goalie scores. And it was, it was
1: just amazing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, and I can't reiterate it. No, I mean, everybody's playing against him. <laughs> Is basically an NHLer, it, yeah. you know, on that on that team Canada, like where you said, Sean, you know, Sean Couturier. You've got Adam Henrique. You've got Dylan Strome, Kyle Turris. I mean, Reinhardt. I mean, Bertuzzi, Stone, yeah. you know, Anthony Sorelli, Marsha Salt. I mean, they got. I mean, like Darnell Nurse. I mean, yeah. like it's it's you know, it's not like it's not like he's playing against. You know, uh, Canada's 18-year-old kids, or is playing against some guys who just can't can't you know um, sniff the NHL. You're talking about guys who are playing on, on, on top six forward yeah. positions, or yeah, exactly. top four you know uh, NHL uh, defensemen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not the Canadian team you see at the Spengler Cup in December.
1: No, no, exa- That's exactly my point. He's playing yeah. against very very good op- uh, opposition.
0: Um, but the, that goal, the breakaway goal against Canada, where he, was, where he was tripped on the play, because he drew two penalties, and that was one of them. He just scored on the delayed penalty, so they never got, got on the power play. But he was tripped on that play, and I know, I know some people will disagree with me when I say this, but the first thing I thought when I saw that play where he was tripped and, but still scored was uh, the legendary goal by Bobby Orr that was... Uh, that, uh, yeah, and we're not comparing that the players, no, just the, no. the way it looks. I'm not comparing Co- Capo Caco to Bobby Orr at all. But the goal itself and just the movement and the fact that he was tripped on the play but still scored, it just reminded me of that, that goal scored by Bobby Orr, the famous goal. And funny that's enough,
1: me, funny yeah, enough both,
0: both, of those, both of those goals were scored on uh, the 10th of May. Yeah. Bobby Orr's goal, the that's 10th kind of, of that, May. That's actually kind of funny. Nineteen seventy and the Capo
1: goal, tenth of May two thousand nineteen. That's funny, actually. That's a good <laughs> nugget there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you something else that's really super interesting is when I when I watched that particular breakaway goal, to me it's it's not even just that he scored a breakaway goal, it's the the um the composure and the poise yeah. and the control that he had. He was able to you know control that puck to control his balance and still make a play on one foot and then beat the goalie. Now that to me is, I mean, is, is high level. That is where you go. Okay. He's not just good. He, he has elite talent. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. And, um, you know, he has scored five goals in two games now. And yes, I, I I know that people are going to say, Oh, but what about Jack Hughes and this and that?
1: Uh, And we're going to get into that later on.
0: Well, we'll get into that later, but he scored five goals in total, against Canada and a Slovakia team that beat Team USA. It's, it's not as if he played Denmark and Great Britain, with all due respect to those teams, but right. it's, not, it's not as if he played teams that, 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 will, that will miss the, the quarterfinals. You know, he, he played against Canada and Slovakia.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and the Slovak team is really good. I mean, they, they, they gave Team USA a very hard time. They beat them. Yeah. Uh, was it 4-1 or 4-2? I think it, I'm not exactly sure. It might have been 4-1, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with five goals,
0: because uh, I looked it up, uh, he's already in seventh place all time uh, in goals by, by a teenager at the World Championship uh, with five. And he's only played two games. Incredible um, stuff, man. Incredible I, stuff. I think, I think the record is from like the 1930s. I think it's, it's 10, 10 goals. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I have it here. It's, it's Ferdinand Catini, 1935 for Switzerland has the record record in goals by a teenager at the World Championship with 10 goals in eight games. Uh, Second place is Crosby with eight goals in nine games.
1: Uh, I mean, he could very well get Crosby numbers. Kako only needs four more goals,
0: and he has at least five group stage games left. And he still has to play against Germany and Denmark and Great Britain. Look, it's it's entirely possible that he's going to break the the record from 1935 by most goals uh, by a teenager in the world championship.
1: Yeah, and then speaking of breaking breaking records, to uh, transition to to Jack Hughes, I mean, di- didn't he break um, Obi's record?
0: Yes, in in the under 18s. Um, right. And and it's it's incredible that we have these two players in the draft. And uh, you know this uh, before the draft lottery, I said. Sort of as a joke, but also, be, I also meant it. I said that I really hope the Rangers get the second overall pick. Not because, because I want Kako, because I really do. But because if we get the second overall pick, then I don't have to read for the next 10, 15 years on Twitter and on Facebook and on forums how we picked the wrong player.
1: You're, you could not be more right about this. Um, this, is, this. This is the correct take. The Rangers are in the optimal driving position. They yeah. don't have to make a decision. The decision will be made for them. They it's the only pick. Anything. It's the only pick in the draft
0: that will never be up for debate. No, because there is no debate. No, there isn't. You just take whoever, whoever, whoever. The Devils don't. And yeah,
1: and and, and, and Ray Shero has got his. Work. I'll t- I'll say this. Ray Shero has got his work cut out for him. I and what I mean by that is I think that Kako is doing everything possible mm-hmm. to make it a conversation. Clo- he's closing the gap with. He, his- he's making it a con. He's making Cheryl sit down and actually have to yeah. th- think about it. That's all he's doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you know? I and I know that that one tournament doesn't change three years of scouting.
1: That does not not one bit. No, but it does make it does make for an interesting last couple of weeks leading up to the draft. That's and for that's sure. exactly what it's doing. It's making for interesting fodder. Yeah. Um. Now, no, you're right. No good GM. Uh, no good GM is going to say, okay, well, you know, Kakos had. Um, an incredible couple of weeks here, Mm -hmm. you know, during the summer, and that's going to all of a sudden sway me past, you know, watching Jack Hughes for three years. No, no good GM is going to think that way. What I will say though, is if you did, is if Cheryl did view, you know, um, Caco and Hughes equal or even Caco better, I'm just, just saying if he does, this is really going to add some fuel to that fire because it's going to just it's just another thing to think about that's all now mm-hmm. do i think this is going to be something that's going to sway a decision probably not but it's definitely making for interesting conversation and it makes it where he has to make a tough decision because let let's say he takes jack Hughes, which he probably will mm-hmm. and we take jack and and um he takes jack Hughes, we take Capricaco caco for whatever reason if Hughes struggles for a year or two after he's drafted which is completely possible and that has nothing to do with what what kind of a career he's going to have yeah it's just it it just creates a little bit more whether that's the media or fans or whatever exactly it's just a little bit more pressure yeah um having said all that um we'll see what happens in in about a month but um it doing everything possible to make june as interesting as he can yes
0: yeah exactly and um i i i i i agree that they they should still go for Hughes, and i still think they will because here's the thing if you go if you pick jack Hughes first overall and it doesn't work out then you you you've still made the right decision on draft day
1: that that that's right and i and, and the truth is is you can draft you could draft jack Hughes and sure maybe he <clears throat> i'll be honest he might let's just say for whatever reason who knows maybe he just has a bunch of injuries maybe he's just doesn't turn out to the player you want, whatever the case is. I'm just, this is all hypothetical, guys. Yeah. Like, we're not, this is not what I'm saying is going to happen. Hypothetical. You still made the right choice on draft day. You spent three years scouting him. You're looking at his skill set. You're looking at all his advanced analytics. You're looking at his production. You're looking at all these different metrics. And it tells you this is the kid to draft. And you believe it. And your entire front office believes it. And a lot of other scouts believe it, and you make the right decision. Does it always play out? No, of course not. There's been plenty of kids drafted one, two, three over, you know, in a draft and have been complete bust. That happens a lot. So um, it's, it's, not like it, it's not like it can't happen. It's just that you still made the right decision, and I think sometimes we we can't Monday you know morning quarterback this. We have to think about what's the right decision on draft day. The right decision on draft day for Shera would be taking Jack Hughes.
0: Yes, and, and the other side of the coin is if they do pick Kako and it doesn't work out, the backlash is 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 much more has has a much bigger impact.
1: Yes, and, and here's the thing too. Let's say he picks Kako and Caco turns out to you know, be a 30 goal and 30 to 40 assist, assist guy, you know, puts up 70 points, good power forward, top line player. Fine. Let's say he, got, he does that. And Jack Hughes turns out to be a 100-point center. It, for their biggest rival, by the decision, way. He's going to be questioned about that. Yeah. I mean, not just that, but for their biggest rival? Oh, yeah. That's, what, that's my point, is that I just, I don't see... <clears throat> I, I'll, I'll say this. I think if there was any other GM... Maybe there's a discussion, not, hmm. with, not with New Jersey, not with what they got at stake in terms of who's coaching you know, Team USA, the ties to Jack Hughes, all yeah. the little things. It just there, makes there it are very a lot unlikely of that, that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of ties to Jack Hughes because Ray Shiro knows the Hughes family and Jack Hughes practices with Hall in the offseason. The Devils head, head coach, John Hines, is now the assistant coach for Team USA, so he gets to work with him. So yeah, it, it, it you know the the ties are there, and but I saw someone. I think it was on, I don't know if it was on Twitter or on Facebook or on a forum, but someone said, "Imagine if the Devils go go with Capocaco and the Rangers get Jack Hughes." Just for a second, think about this. You you not only get Jack Hughes, you get Jack Hughes, who is who is incredibly motivated to prove New Jersey wrong. You get. You get the consensus best player in the draft for the last three years who has a chip on his shoulder because he wants to prove everyone wrong.
1: Oh, I'll t- uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for, if, for whatever reason, if the, if the Devils did take Capo Caco and we took yeah. Jack Hughes, every, he's going he's gonna to circle that, that New Jersey Devil uh, game every single, every yeah. single season. Yeah. He's going to yeah. circle that and be like, okay, f- fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. But,
0: I mean, for the Rangers –
1: I mean, Gordon and Clark don't even have to be there in the morning. They can just no, they, they, they can literally just hang out and just chill out and have a couple of drinks and and seriously, just focus on the rest of the drink. yeah. they they, they can basically have a late
0: breakfast, go into the sauna, show up, show up like when when New Jersey walks up to the stage enter <laughs> they, the, buil, enter the building, uh, and then after the pick, walk up to the stage and say, we will pick whoever the Devils didn't, and then go Yeah, to the literally,
1: literally, look over, back. Like, Who did you guys take? I will yeah. take the other
0: one. Uh, we'll take the other one, yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. That's basically it. And and the Rangers couldn't have won a better draft lottery than this one Here in the on. last couple of years. It, c- 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 I mean, can you imagine winning the draft lottery in 2017 and ending up with Nolan Patrick, like getting the second overall pick? Yeah. I, and this is this Capo is Caco and Jack Hughes. They make for a very interesting... Next couple of weeks, because the combine is in is in Buffalo, I think at the end of May. I don't know the exact date, but I saw that it's it's in Buffalo this year. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, I don't think the combine changes a lot for like the, the, the top the top picks. Uh, it'll change something for the players later on in the draft. Um, but yeah, when it comes to Capo Caco, he's doing everything in his power to make it as 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 difficult as possible for the New Jersey Devils front office.
1: Yeah, I think I think the combine more than anything else just just gives these GMs, a chance to interview the kid and just get to, you know, have a conversation, maybe get an idea of what is, what is his, uh, his personality is like, his makeup is like, just, you know, it's, it's, I think the combine does more for more than that. I think, I think most of the time, a lot of these GMs go and in, go into the combine and they've already, they've already pretty much got their board set. They know where they know the guys they like at the, you know, early on in the draft, they know the guys they like, you know, midway, you know, midway through the draft, and they know the guys they like late in the draft. I yeah, don't think that. Yeah. It, I don't think this changes all that much. I think it just provides another element of detail they can think about. Meaning, if they've got two guys that they really like, maybe there's a maybe there's one thing they like they like about the guy they. You know what I mean? Like, if they maybe they have two guys they really do view in the skill set in the same exact manner. Maybe they have a conversation with both of them and then one of them turns out to just maybe be a little more extra motivated or a little bit you know or or has a um you know, i don't know i just i'm throwing things out there but there's something that they like about him in, in in the conversation they had and that you know when you're talking about kids that if you're viewing them very much the same in the same tier then sometimes little things can be a difference maker obviously skill set <laughs> and and upside are the two things you always look for but sometimes when those things are you know viewed in a similar tier you're going to look for differential makers. Cause that's, I mean, you're going to have to, cause at some point yeah. you have to separate guys. Yeah, no, exactly. And,
0: and the small things really matter. And that's why teams interview more, they, they interview players that they know that they know they will never be in a position to draft them. Yeah. Uh, I remember last year Kroftsov was interviewed by all 31 teams, I think, or at least like almost every team. And people, I saw some people on Twitter say, Oh, um, well, why, why would this and this team, well, like Buffalo, why would Buffalo even interview him? Well, it's not that Buffalo intends to draft him. It's just that, you know, what if in three, four years that player is on, on the trade block and you can acquire him and all of a sudden you, you, you don't have to go into detail. You don't have to talk to the player and figure out what, you know, you figure out... Uh, things about his personal life or whatever because you already have that you have it filed away in case you need it in two three four five six seven or eight years exactly. and And that's why a lot of these kids are interviewed by teams that that will not draft them Just to have a good read on them for maybe later on in a trade or or when they pick them up in free agency
1: Yeah, no, that's a very good. That's a very good astute point I mean, uh, I think sometimes we don't think about it is that all this data does get backlogged because a kid might be available that, you know, at, at some point during a trade yep. and maybe you have, you know, you can go back to your reports and say, here's what we scouted at him back in the day. Here's where, here's where he is now. Um, maybe they're a little down on him for this reason and he might be available, but, um, he's still got some value and we still like the kid or right. whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, you know, I always feel like when it comes to data and information, there's, there's no such thing as enough. You there's- always want more information. You always want more data to look at. You always want to keep analyzing and keep, you know, pivoting through the data as much as possible and try to um, assess things. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. You can never have too much information and the combine is going to be very interesting because of this. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading some of that. I know not all the information is, is usually, uh, usually available to the public. Uh, like in, in, the NFL combine, there's much more coverage and, I wish the NHL would... would...
1: Oh, yeah. No, the, 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 the NFL does a really good job of that. The NHL, not so much.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, I, I also, before we go back to Kaku, I want to take a, a minute here to uh, discuss a video that the Rangers posted on Twitter about their war room. Um, oh, yeah. I,
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually retweeted that.
0: I, yeah, okay. So you've seen it. Uh, it's a one-minute video. Uh, they don't give away any, any specifics. Uh, there's no names or anything. It's all very vague. I personally love that they're doing this. Me two too. Years, two years Me ago, too. I Chicago... don't know why
1: people are so angry or so angry. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you're not, you're not talking about, you're not talking enough. Yeah, no one's going to tell you. No one's going to mention names. It's,
0: it's, it's a one-minute video, and maybe they will. Because two years ago, when 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 Chicago was hosting the draft, they after the draft they uploaded, I think a twenty-five or thirty-minute uh, short film or documentary on what they discuss in the war room and and at the time they drafted henry Yokiharyu in the first round and after the draft they show video of them talking about yokiharu of course they're not going to show you anything before the draft because they, they, that's basically uh, uh showing your cards you right. you show the whole world all the other teams which players you're interested in
1: yeah exactly but,
0: I hope the Rangers do something similar to Chicago two years ago. And I think Carolina did something as well. I think last year or the year before.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, and why would you ever want to give your hand about what your board looks like? Because let's say you want to, let's say a guy falls, that you really like, and that team's not high on that guy. You don't think they're going to hold that over your head. Like it's just stupid. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think Carolina did it last year because the, it was, it was about uh, Sveshnikov, um, but it's it's interesting, and I love that the Rangers are doing this. So I me hope too, for, me too, and I, I, hope hope I hope
1: they do a whole big documentary, yeah. Yeah. or even a couple of even a couple of twenty minute segments. I would love. I yeah. just think that this kind of this is the kind of content that I want to see. Now you're right. It for for all we know, like when I looked at l- that little one minute segment, I, it looked it seems to me like they're talking about three or four different kids. They're they're not talking about one kid. I know some people are like. Oh, I hope they're talking about Kago. They're talking about a bunch of kids, okay? Yeah. So they're not talking about one kid. They're, and they're talking about a bunch of kids.
0: They are probably talking about the kids that they that they are targeting with the Winnipeg pick in the first round, and maybe with the Dallas pick in the second round or the Tampa Bay pick in the second round. Yep. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And and after the draft, I really hope that they will release a a a, a long video uh, giving us more more insight into into what their what their war room looks like. Yeah, exactly. this is the, this and, is the... and
1: we know they don't always get their guy, you know, in terms of like, they might like a guy that says, I hope he drops to 20 and he might not be there. And they might have to settle on somebody else. And that's just what it is. Yeah. And so, but that's just the way drafting goes. I mean, you think these teams get everyone they want? No.
0: No. Um, but I think Ranger fans should be happy that they are finally doing this because I've always said that the Rangers, when it comes to social media, they're one of the most boring franchises in the league. I agree completely because for years they were yeah, they they always reminded me of this kid in college that's you know the goody two shoes that always brings a newspaper for that for the teacher and you know, right. they never they never do
1: anything Fun. they never take there's, it there's they're starting to they're they're and, putting now it's changing. Yeah. scores goals they're doing things yes yes so it's changing they're they yeah. finally
0: uh 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 getting on board with the fact that it's 2019 and that social media matters and exactly. that's how you reach out to your fans so i really love that and if they if they do release that video that that 20 or 30 minute video that
1: would be great i agree so um, let, let, let's um let's you know we talked about Kako a bunch, but I think all our questions today are just basically about Kako. So why don't we why don't we just jump into that? Because we got a lot of questions. Yeah. And a lot but, of it's about what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. So I asked uh, if, if people wanted to add, if people had some questions, uh and, and like you said, most of it is about is about CACO. Um so yeah, let's 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 start with that. Uh Davy Upper actually asked uh, uh about Kaco and use. Um uh, what the difference is and, and, and how Kako's performance in the World Championship, uh, how that affects everything. and um, we, we already discussed part of it. Um, but one of the things that, I also, that I've also seen is people say that the Jack Hughes still grows, um, but Jack Hughes is 5'10", and Kako is 6'2". And just because Kako is already 6'2", doesn't mean he doesn't grow anymore. Um, I think both players will still grow or, or at least fill out. Um, but they are completely different players. I think Jack Hughes, and I've said this as well, if Jack Hughes finishes the tournament with zero goals, he will, in my opinion, he will still go first overall. Because he had a completely different uh, um, last four to six weeks compared to Kako. He flew from the United States to Sweden to play in the under-18s then flew back to the United States. And then a couple of days later, he flew from, from the United States again to Europe to play in the World Championships. And while he was in the under-18s, capo Kako played with the with the men's team to adjust to you know, the, his line mates and the different style and everything. Um, so I don't think that this tournament will change anything when it comes to the draft order. Um I also think that you as a smaller player doesn't really have anything to worry about uh, because we see more and more small players in the NHL succeed because in my opinion, uh, the NHL is starting to become more of a hybrid type of hockey. Uh, North American hockey is more about territory. You dump the puck, you, you, you pin your opponent in the zone, you try to get the puck back and then you set up, uh, then you set up in their zone. Uh, in European hockey, it's more about possession. People will circle back for a line change instead of dumping the puck and go for a line change. That's the easiest way I can describe it.
1: Uh, no, that's fair, actually. Yeah,
0: and the NHL is is becoming more and more of a hybrid type of hockey where it's not just about the physical aspect anymore. There's still, especially in the playoffs, physicality matters, but it's you can see more and more that with more European players entering the league, that the style of hockey is, is changing. And a guy like Jack Hughes 10, 15 years ago would have had a tough time breaking into the league. I don't think it's, it's the same t- today. I,
1: I completely agree with that. I think um, um, as far as, you know, I mean, Caco going one, Hughes going two, the chances of this happening, guys, are slim to none. Now, look, is there a chance that it could happen? Yeah, of course. Um, but that chance is very small. Mm-hmm. I think if it's any other, any other GM other than... Uh, New Jersey, I think you might have a discussion. For example, it, let's just say for whatever reason it was Vancouver or it was Colorado, maybe. No, maybe. no, 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 maybe. no.
0: If, if it was Vancouver, then then it, then it's a slam dunk. They go with Jack Hughes.
1: That's true because they would they would, they'd put the yeah they would put they want to you know they want to have the two. I was just thinking there. in terms of Pedersen and put him with Cackle. That would be fun to watch. Oh no, yeah, no, of course fine. you're right. You're right. But either way, I mean, if any other GM, I think that maybe you've, maybe you've got a more of a discussion. I don't think it's a discussion with New Jersey. I just don't, I don't see it. Um, does that mean that it's impossible, it's not going to happen? No. Uh, I'd say 5 to 10% chance that Kako gets drafted one. That's how small the chance it is. Yeah. Not, nine out of 10 times, I, I, it's going to be um, Jack Hughes going one. I don't, care if, I don't care if Jack Hughes does absolutely nothing this whole tournament. It does not change his stock.
0: No, no, no. And, 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 and that, that's, that's one of the things that, they, that Davey asked as well. Uh, he literally asked, do you think he playing in the Under-18s will hurt his performance in the World Championship? No. Uh, well, I think, I think it may affect his performance in the tournament. I just don't think it'll affect the draft.
1: No, uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it affects the draft, I'm saying.
0: No. Uh, because, like you said, three years of scouting is not, is not, is not all of a sudden thrown away because of one tournament. As great as Kako has been so far in the first two games. Yeah.
1: Um, I, and I, I said before this, I said, if Ka- if Capo if Kako goes out and has a fantastic tournament, which he is, the only thing it does is make for a very interesting debate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. and and That's uh, all it does. Yeah. And one of the other uh, questions, uh, Lindsay Label, I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, she, she asked a similar thing. How much stock do you put in a single tournament like the world's? Uh, going in regarding evaluating prospects and, and very very small, a small sample. Yeah, and the, that's the thing. All these, all these scouts and all these teams have already have basically a book written about these prospects.
1: And Ooh, one, one, nothing, Boston, by the way.
0: Oh, oh, oh they had to play an early game. Cool. Um, yeah, the, the, you know they they already have basically it's exaggerating a bit, but they they have like a three hundred page book already. And, and this tournament is the epilogue. It's, it's, you know, it's the final chapter. It it matters a little bit, but the main story doesn't change. No. Uh, Hughes, in my opinion, will still go first.
1: Yeah. Uh, And just to piggyback off this, um, any good scout is not going to throw away three years of scouting for a week of a tournament. No, no. I, I just, I just believe the GMs who do that, in my opinion, are the GMs who fail should be fine. Because because if you're just gonna look at a hot streak and and overrate a hot streak as opposed to consistent play over, you know, a few years mm. and watching that skill set be something that you could see him fill into, well then, you know, you're just a you're just a bad scout if you're gonna if you're gonna take this tournament and you're gonna rate this higher than what you've seen over the past couple of years, then you should never be a GM. No, no,
0: exactly, and, and, and that's, that, that's a good point, uh, and, and this, is, this is why I don't think it'll happen, because these guys are GMs, and as much fun as fans have discussing this, and on Cap Friendly, you have this armchair GM tool, and it's a lot of fun to play around with. At the end of the day, there's a lot more nuance to it when it comes to drafting and trading and signing free agents than what we see uh, like on paper, basically. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I, I cannot stress this enough. The Rangers are in the best position they could have asked for. Yeah, I agree. Um, so next question was from Connor Durden, um, about net front presence on the power play in case Kreider is traded. Uh, who yeah, that was face, a good question. Who um, would was in that role on our power play.
1: I, I actually don't. I mean, that's a good question in terms of, I don't, that, that answer might not be, it could be capo caco.
0: It could be Capo Kako. It, I don't know if Kruftsov, He, has, he he's, he's quite tall. Uh, I don't know if he has the body to, to be that net front presence.
1: Maybe not yet, though.
0: But does it have to be someone who plays in our top six? Because No, it doesn't. It, 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 it could
1: very well be somebody like Brett Howden.
0: Yeah, the discussion I had with someone uh, about our power play, uh, someone suggested that Lias Anderson should uh, get a chance on the power play. And uh, someone else responded by saying, well, what has he done to deserve time on the power play? And I got sucked into that discussion and I said, well, why don't we look at it from a different angle? What have, for instance, Howden or Vizi? what have they done to keep their spot on the power play? Nothing. Because, because at some point, at some point, a player has to, has to be taken off the power play if he doesn't add anything so instead of looking at who deserves to go on the power play why don't we look at who doesn't really add anything to the power play and then try something new or well, how
1: about trying something new just to see if it works
0: yeah yeah that's that's yeah you just see, see what works um, I, I know Lias Anderson has a bit of an edge to him he's, he's a he's a more physical player than for instance Philip Um uh, so he he might be a good a good option for that uh, position in front of the net on the power play because I' would I think if he, if he works on his, on his overall strength a bit more, I think he's very difficult to, uh, to push outside of the crease by opponents because that's yeah. Kreider's strength. Yeah, the
1: and the, the, the other thing I was going to say was just in terms of, because he asked who, who's going to replace Kreider in, the, in, in front of the net, and I responded with um, a picture of... Um, Benarin. Benarin. And so my thing is, it's not, he, not going to replace him in terms of style, but he is going to replace him in terms of production. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that is maybe that the team does have a different look to it. So maybe we're not, you know, you don't have a guy in front of the net like Kreider does. Maybe we're, you know, more of an East West team and looking for the open man.
0: Um, change, change the whole power play. E- exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, so yeah. that, that's, that's, that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. So um, yeah, I mean, Look, if you do get rid of Kreider, either way, his production is going to be replaced in terms of what he produces every year by probably, you know. And I'm I'm only saying they're only going to trade him in, in all seriousness if they get Artemi Panarin. They're not they're not going to miss on Panarin and then trade Kreider too. I think they're not going to do that. I actually think that's very unlikely. I think yeah. if I think if they miss out on Panarin for whatever reason, they probably do overpay a little bit for Kreider just to keep you know, that production up at the top six for a while. I think they do, unfortunately. Um, so who replaces Kreider in, in front of the net? I mean, it, like, like I said, it could be Capo Cackle if he's here. Uh, it could be Brett Howden with that role. You mentioned Leah Sanderson. Um, it, it, it might even be a guy who's not even on this team yet.
0: Or, or could it be a guy like Brendan Lemieux? Uh,
1: right, exactly. I mean, there's, I, I, think that, 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 I think that particular role hasn't been carved out hasn't been carved out yet. Yeah, But I'm not exactly that worried. I would be more worried about if we lost, if we traded Kreider and then missed out on Panarin. Because now all of a sudden your, your, your goal production for your entire team, which is not good to begin with, has taken a serious hit.
0: Mm-hmm. That to
1: me would be more alarming than, than a particular role that I feel like is a little more easier to find.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and with the addition of Adam Fox, we may have someone who distributes the puck a little bit quicker on the power play as well.
1: Right, exactly. So we might have to not, not rely on our speed as much to break out.
0: Yeah, because the, the, the biggest strength of a good power play is passing and positioning. Agre- agreed. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen, and it, it, all, it all depends on if Kreider is traded, because we, we don't even know that. Um, I did find it interesting that, uh, and maybe it's nothing, but he's playing with Jack... Uh, what's his name?
1: Uh, who? Who?
0: Uh, Kreider. Who who is he? Who is he playing? Oh, he's playing with Jack Eichel. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he's playing with Jack Eichel. And uh, so, <laughs> I saw someone say, "Oh, uh, that they're, <laughs> they're already getting a, uh, they're already getting familiar with each other," hinting yeah, at maybe, yeah, maybe maybe Kreider scared, being maybe, traded uh, to, like to, Buffalo. to
1: Buffalo. you know. Yeah.
0: Because I think they have uh, two first round picks. They have the San Jose pick and their own pick. Yeah, uh,
1: I, don't, I don't think they're gonna do that, though.
0: I don't know. You know. No, I don't, no. It it is one of those teams that has the, the uh, that has the assets to to make something happen on draft day. Um, uh,
1: you, you you know where I stand with the Chris Kreider thing. My thing is is the team that I think that that makes sense for Chris Kreider is still the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do. Now I don't know if they can ever make it work with the with the, with their cap. I don't know. Um, I'd have to look at cap friendly and see if they can make that work. But I just think that. Could you just imagine him with Connor McDavid? Well,
0: Kreider with Connor McDavid is 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 basically what they were hoping to get out of Lucic.
1: Yeah, but Kreider's, Kreider's and even a fant- he's a fantastic skater. Now his finishing can 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 definitely be improved a little bit, but you put someone like Connor McDavid with him, and that's what's going to open up tremendously for him. Yeah. He's going to have wide open buckets.
0: Oh, the, the, I mean the number of breakaways you'll see from Kreider if that happens.
1: Yeah, or, or just the amount of really good looks he's going to have just because, because McDavid is going to open that up for him. I just feel like whoa, you know, 20, whoa, whoa. when I think about Chris Kreider, Connor McDavid is literally his perfect centerman. Did you just say really good looks? I did. Yeah, I know. I, I did a little A.V. take. <laughs> oh, here we go. Two, two nothing, Boston. Flashback this, this, to... This, this series might be over pretty fast. Flashback to L.A. Vigneault there. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of La
0: Rio, someone someone else posted about the the game against Finland. Uh, Canada was was trailing in the third period and were outshot.
1: I saw that. Did, they, did, you see, did you see the? you see you see his, his, his um his uh, facial reaction when Kako scored? Was yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't really, I don't really dislike him. I, you know, I I think he gets too much. Uh, he gets criticized unfairly. Uh, he gets criticized too much for what he did. Um, but yeah, now he's in, now he's in Philly. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen there, but it's interesting yeah. to interesting to see. Um, yeah, the the next question was from Andrew Metric uh, about the the larger i surface and the double IHF rules. Uh, are there any rules that? we would like to see changed. And I'm not sure if he meant rules in the NHL or rules in. I think he
1: means, I think he means, I think what he means is, is there any rules in the NHL that we would like to see adopted? I mean, are any rules in the um, IHF that could be adopted by the NHL? Mm. I think that's his, I think that's what he meant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do you think about that?
0: Um, Well, I think, I think the larger ice surface definitely has is his, its advantages. Um, I don't think it's perfect, um, but it does, it does make for uh, more entertaining hockey at times.
1: Yeah, that, that's the one thing for me. I mean, maybe not so much rule set, but the one thing that I would love to take from international hockey is the, is the wider ice. Yeah. Um, to me, that just opens the game up. Um, and then you get, you get to really see like all these guys that get drafted that are phenomenal skaters and crazy hands. You just get to see even more amazing deeks and dunks and you know what I mean? Like you just get to see it. You would, you would see a a much, I mean, the game is, is pretty fast and wide open now. I think it would be like a, it would be an absolute show. Yeah. And, and I think, I think there would be more goals. Um, if, if,
0: if, if there's more open eyes to work with. Yeah, I agree. If you look at uh, overtime uh, in the NHL, 3-on-3 three three overtime, um, it's very interesting when you look at 3-on-3 three three overtime how many scoring chances there are in the span of five minutes. Uh, if, you, if you go back to 5-on-5 five five on a bigger rink, um, there's just more ice to play with. There's more... Yeah, there's, there, there, there are, it just gives the players more options. Um, one of the rules that I would like to see implemented in the NHL... Um, is uh, the point system and not so much the three, two, one, zero, um, because the I double IHF has uh, three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win, one point for an overtime loss, and zero points for a regulation loss. So in any game, there are three points on offer. Doesn't matter how the game ends, there's always three points that it will be uh, given handed out at the end of the
1: game. Yeah, it's kind of soccer style.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I would like to see uh, a a two a two one zero system where you get two points for a regulation win, one point for a win in overtime or a shootout, and zero for any
1: loss. Yeah, no, that would make things. That would that I'd be all for. Another thing I would be all for is, and maybe I'm probably in the minority here, is getting rid of the shootout.
0: Uh, yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen.
1: I don't think so either. But because for me, I would rather I would rather do. Um, I'd rather do a 10-minute overtime, and if nobody wins, that's it. You just a point each. A draw.
0: Yeah, a exactly. Tie. Sorry, sorry. It's called exactly. a tie. I'm, the- I'm
1: totally okay going back to ties. That's fine. Yeah. It does not bother me.
0: No, I, I don't think ties are an issue. I just think, uh, yeah. I think, I think the, the overtime, I don't think you can get it to 10 minutes. Uh, with the amount of games that are played in the NHL, I don't think players want to want to want to be on the ice for for 17 minutes in total.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. So then just so then just keep it at five and then just go right to a tie.
0: I, I do. I do think that the three on three overtime was a success.
1: I, uh, I agree with that. Now that I will agree with. I think um, the idea I, of doing that was uh, a home run. I've
0: I've seen a lot of people complain that it's a gimmick. But then again, so is a shootout. Which gimmick do you prefer? Do you prefer? I'd and- rather
1: have a gimmick that that resembles more real hockey.
0: Yeah, there's actual hockey in a three-on-three overtime. I prefer three-on-three overtime over a shootout. Me too. Uh, what I don't want to see in three-on-three overtime, and, and sorry if I hard on this already, what I don't want to see in three-on-three overtime is Jimmy Vizi dumping the puck for a line change.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: He did that earlier this season. I was I was watching. It was like three thirty in the morning. Rangers in overtime. I don't even re- I don't remember who the opponent was. I think it was the Caps or the Penguins. And I'm sitting on my couch watching, and we're having we have the puck, Jimmy Veezy dumps it in at the red line, and I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting here looking at my TV like what? Because in three on three overtime, all that matters is possession.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. Anyways, next question. Going Go. of course. Um, yeah. Just 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 bring back the bigger ice, and I think we'll, we can all live. Yeah, the bigger ice, and maybe look into the point system. Yeah.
0: Um. Speaking of bigger eyes, uh, even, or Ivan Yu had a question about uh, uh, Kako and his adjustment to the smaller eyes. Um, I have my take on it. Um, I think of course, other
1: guys might have an issue. I think the way he plays, he's going to transition fine.
0: I think the top picks in a draft don't really struggle with uh, the transition to the smaller rink because they are so talented, they make it work.
1: Well, and also his game um, does translate to a little more of a true North American game.
0: Yeah. And also, um, because this is something that probably not everyone knows, uh, not every rink in Europe is, uh, is the size of an Olympic rink. Uh, there are rinks in the Czech Republic, in Austria, in Slovakia, uh, even in the KHL uh, that are either the size of NHL rinks or a hybrid in, in between. Um, so it's not, it's not that every rink in Europe is the same size or is bigger. Um, and also, Kako played in Vancouver at the World Juniors, which is a smaller rink. Um, so I don't think it's, it's as big an issue as people make it out to be. I think the bigger issue is the style of play, which is what I, what I discussed earlier, uh, going from a possession-focused uh, type of hockey to a more territory-focused type hockey. Um, and even though it's, it's becoming a more of a hybrid in the NHL, there's still a little bit of a transition going from one, uh, from one to the other. Right. But again, uh, a guy like Kako doesn't really, in my opinion, doesn't have to adjust that much because of his talent, because of how, how good he is and, and, and not just the style of hockey he plays, but just how talented he is. I think a guy like Vitali Kravtsov may need a little bit more time to adjust. Um, but the adjustment period is usually for guys that are drafted in like the second, third, fourth round and, and onwards. Yep. Um, so I don't think it's a big issue for Kako. and um, I, think, I think the adjustment for him will more be uh, to live in North America. Um, I think culture is going to be the biggest biggest. Yes. Thing. Yes, there were rumors that Kako doesn't speak English, but that's not true. Um, as you know, I met him last week in Brno, and then yesterday again in Kosice, uh, and I was able to ask him some, some like a couple of questions, really short. But his answers in English were were well, not perfect because it's still Finnish, and Finnish people struggle a little bit with the English language, in my experience. Yeah, the guys that I that I work with, I work with some Finnish people, and uh, their English is. Uh, not as refined as uh, the Swedes or, or, or the Danish people, okay. but the, the answers he gave to me in English, I could I could understand. It's 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 good enough, right? Uh, so that that won't be a big issue. I think the biggest issue for an eighteen year old moving to New York is the culture shock and moving to the other side of the world without friends, without family. Um, that's that's a that's a big
1: thing. Uh, I I could not I could not agree more. I think I think. No matter what, that's always the biggest problem.
0: Yeah. When I was 22, I moved to South Africa from the Netherlands. And I know what a big deal it was, how it affected my life. And like I said, I was 22. I was four years older than these kids are when they move from Europe to, to North America. Um, and it's just small things. You know, it's, it's, it's things that you don't even think about at first. Um, different habits, uh, a diff- the different approach by people. Uh, And and just not having uh, the people you are close to there with you to just have a quick conversation. Yeah. And I lived in South Africa. I could at least call my family because it was the same time zone. He is from Finland. That's seven hours uh, ahead of New York. Uh, If he is sitting at home on on, on a day off at 7 p.m., I don't think he can actually call his family or friends because they're sleeping at 2 a.m. So I, th- I think that's that's the biggest adjustment for a kid like Kako, and in the past also for Elias Andersson and Philip Hedl. And um, what makes a transition like that easier for a player is if he uh, is if his performance on the ice um, actually helps him. If he's playing well, then that transition becomes a little bit easier. Uh, a guy like Hedl who who starts in the NHL and has a couple of good games, gets some goals, you know, gets into a flow, has an easier time to adjust than, for instance, Elias Anderson, who doesn't have the pucks bounce his way or doesn't have a game where he scores a goal, you know, to get into that flow. And then you have the, uh, your, your, your 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 games that, that, that are not what you want them to be, plus the the culture shock and the adjustment. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's definitely interesting to think about. And yeah, I, th- I think the difference between Europe and North America is often underrated. How much of an impact it is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the toughest thing that Kako's is going to have to adjust to is just, just culture. He's going to be in a, a, a different country with, um, you know, Different people that he's not used to. They're not, you know, they're not his friends right away. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. got there's a comfort level that is going to go away, and, and he's not allowed to. to he's got, he's or got or... to build a new comfort level while 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 learning a new a new game with new teammates. There's just there's so much nuance there, and and he's not allowed to drink a beer for another three years oh, yeah, of... I forgot about that because in Europe you could you could drink a lot earlier than you can over here.
0: Yeah, um, uh, most countries it's either sixteen or eighteen.
1: Um, yeah, over here it's twenty-one, which is absolutely ridiculous.
0: I mean yeah I don't understand why they why it's 21 but
1: I don't want to get into
0: that whole debate but anyway uh um yeah you go from that's just one thing that's completely different um it's it's a big adjustment but I think a guy like Kako is different from any other prospect we have drafted uh which brings me to something I just quickly want to want to talk about when people say that we may not draft Kako because we went off the board in the past, um, the second overall pick is something we have not had since Brett Park was drafted in, I think, 1966 or 65.
1: And, um, and, it's, and, it's, not like this, and it's not like this draft is a one-player draft. No, no, no. The range it's a two-player two draft, and we're drafting two, so just, yeah. just count your blessings.
0: For the first time in the professional era, because before it was an, an amateur draft, for the first time since the expansion since the since the expansion in 67 we have a draft pick where there is no debate where there is no there's no argument there's there's teams all have the same players at 1 and 2 maybe the diff- maybe the order between 1 and 2 is different but 1 and 2 it's there's there's no team i think who will pick any other player in the top 2 and that's completely different from the seventh overall pick, or the ninth, or the tenth,
1: or the twelfth. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say this um, about about the. I, I think when it comes when it comes to this when it comes to this draft, let's say I mean we all we all know there is almost zero chance that that we're that that at two we're not going to take Capo if he's if he's there. Yeah. Okay. If for whatever crazy, wild, you know, alternate universe, you know, Spider-Man multiverse universe here is out there, that we do something absolutely crazy and don't do that, for whatever reason, Jeff Gordon is going to be gone. Like, it literally is that simple. He, he will get fired if he doesn't make this decision. And just based on that, I rest, I am very comfortable. Even if I didn't trust him. And I do trust him. That's the thing. If I didn't trust him, I still think he's gonna make the right move because the backlash that he would have would be astronomical.
0: Would would Peter Shirelli make this decision as well? Yes. Yes.
1: And he is the yes. he is the worst GM in this There is I mean look, my I'm I'm kidding you not. My my sister who doesn't know anything about hockey would probably make the same decision. Yep. Yeah. Because she would, just go on, she would just go on Twitter and be like, who's popular? And she would just see Capo Caco everywhere. And then she'd be like, oh, he's still there. Let me take him. Yeah. And she doesn't know anything about hockey. So the, the chances of them not taking that kid if he's there is, I mean, look, the, the, the insane. It's like Doctor
0: Strange in Infinity War. That's, a, that's
1: exactly it. You go into
0: the future and you see fourteen million six hundred and five uh, outcomes, and there's only one where we do not draft Kaka or use in the top two.
1: Yeah, and that's probably because like you know a meteor hit the planet. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not happening. Uh, yeah, it's, and let it, me put it this way: if if for if for whatever crazy alternate universe this actually does happen, I will be the first one you know, outside of like MSG with like a sign to ask for Jeff Gordon's like resignation. I'd be the first one there now, granted that means like, you know, obviously that means use and caco. One of them is there. There are two we don't take either one If that ever happens. I mean, I'm, I'm just running for the hills.
0: Yeah. It's not happening guys.
1: That's my point. It's just not.
0: Um, so next question, I think this is the last one we have. um, by Br Man 85 I don't know if that's meant, meant, meant to spell breadman, but um, okay. he has. Does Put Colson fall outside of the top 10? And if he does, do you think the Rangers will target him to maybe trade up?
1: Um, does Put Colson fall outside the top 10? I think so. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I've seen Poc- I, think there are too, I think there are too many risers lately.
0: Yeah. And, and for, every, for every player that rises, someone has to fall down because nice. there's not enough spots in the top 10 for 11, 12, or 13 players. Um, I've seen Pocles in several times, and he is great when he plays on the national team, regardless of age level, under 17, under 18, under 20. Um. What annoys me a little bit about him is that he doesn't do the same when he plays for his club in Russia.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if, if even if we're just looking, like, I keep going, but, I mean, like, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud of, like, the top um, ten.
0: The biggest, uh, that, that's my biggest critique of him. Um, he only plays well for the national team, and I don't know what the reason is. Is it, is it a, a problem with motivation? Is it that he only works well in that system? Uh, what I do know is that those games uh, are very, uh, like those tournaments, like the World Juniors and the Under-20s and the uh, Linka Tournament and the Under-18 World Championships, those tournaments are very uh, instrumental to how the draft rankings are made up by Craig Button and Corey Prondman. and So that's why you saw a guy like Paul Coles in as third overall and, and someone even had him second overall earlier in the season. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just think that there are too many question marks for him to be picked that high.
1: Yeah, I mean let's just let's just look at the top ten. So obviously you've got Jack Hughes and Capo Kako, so that's yeah. two two slots. Oh, would you Bo would you draft would you draft Alex Turcott over him? Yes. Yes. Bowen Byron. Bowen Byron, yes. Kirby Doc.
0: Yeah, maybe. I'm not I'm I'm not uh, probably, yes.
1: Trevor Zegers, sure. Yeah, Cole Caulfield. Um, maybe, but I mean, that's, so you're, you're in the probability. Um, Peyton Krebs, maybe. Victor mm-hmm. Soderstrom.
0: Uh, Soderstrom, Broberg, two defensemen from, uh, from Sweden. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and every year there's, there's at least one player who.
1: So, I mean, we've, we've already listed basically around eight or nine kids. So he's, he could very easily fall in yeah. the top 10.
0: And, and there's always one player who, who jumps into the top 10, like Barrett Hayden last year.
1: Yeah, there's going to be that one guy. There's going to be that um, – there will be that guy that, that yeah. probably should have went like 20th or something, but, but he's up in the top
0: 10. it's not always a bad thing. I know Mark Scheifele was, uh, was a big reach at 7th overall in, I think, 2011. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something I quickly want to jump onto. People always use the terms reach and steal. And they imply that a steal is always good and a reach is always bad. And it's I I just want to say that it's not that black and white. Uh, If a player falls 20 spots, he's considered a steal, but why did he fall 20 spots? Uh, Like Joe Valeno last year. Is he a steal because the Red Wings drafted him late in the first round? Or is there a reason why so many teams passed on him? and at the Maybe at the same
1: time that's a good question it could be a little bit of both
0: yeah and at the same time a reach uh is often considered a bad thing but vitali kraftsov was a reach philip hedl was a reach at 21 right uh, like earlier yeah the, what i just said mark shifley at 7th overall was considered a reach a reach is not always a bad thing uh it could be that that the teams know something that that some other team is interested as well and i see uh, the last couple of years, I don't see as many teams trading up or down in the draft. Um, and I think teams would just rather take a player a, a, a little bit higher in the draft when they're on, on the clock, instead of trading down two, three spots and risking that player no longer being there. Yeah. And I'm that's sure. why you see players a little bit more uh, being labeled a reach because teams just, Go, yeah, you know, our pick is at 12th, and, and this player is probably ranked about 16, 17. Uh, we'll, we'll just go with the player we want instead of, you know, risking missing out on him because you trade down and add a third round pick. Yep. So, um, but yeah, that's, I just quickly wanted to jump on that, but I've, I could see Podkosin in falling out of the top 10.
1: I totally could. I mean, I, I think that there's there's definitely at least eight. Kids in this draft that I might take before him,
0: yeah, or that are at least on the same level in the same tier, R-
1: right? Ex- exactly. Like there's there, there's at least I think in the first two t. Te- I don't think he's in my second. I don't think he'd be in my second. Like I remember um, our, one of my buddies, Drew Way, um, who does a lot of prospect stuff. And if you guys ever get a chance, definitely read a lot of his stuff. It's really good. Um, but he talks a lot about prospects. And one of the things that he kind of educated me on was the tier system that he likes to use, where he doesn't always look at, like, you know, sometimes people like, oh, a player at two and then a player at three or a player at four and a player at five, and you go, oh, my God, he was ranked fourth and this guy was ranked fifth. And you don't realize that sometimes the guy who's ranked fourth may be in the same group as that guy ranked 10th, because maybe those six guys are all kind of on the same tier where they're just, they're they're at this skill level or they're at this, you know, tier level of, like, what their ability could possibly be. And then maybe the next tier might be, two players and the next tier after that might be like 10. You, you never know. It always changes. But yeah. like, I think when we look in, in, tiers rather than straight out numbers, it becomes a lot easier sometimes to digest stuff.
0: Yes. I, I agree with that. Uh, instead of looking at just, just raw numbers, uh, you, you group players together. Like Correct. Kako and use is tier one. And then guys like, uh, Turcotte and Zegers and, and Byram and some others, that's, that's tier two. Exactly. And guys like Dorofaev and Bobby Brink
1: and Villa Henola. That's yeah, more a, tier, more Tier 3, 4-ish.
0: Yeah, that's Tier 3, Tier 4. Uh, but a player in Tier 3 can go 15th or can go 21st, but it's still the same tier.
1: Right, and that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That's why, and, and what's even funny is I've seen a lot of mocks of this year's drafts. Just, just to kind of give everybody a heads up, I've seen so many mocks where almost everyone is completely different where it makes me think that this year, like after the first two kids, I literally have no freaking idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I mean, I could easily see put Colson going third. I can see him going 15th. Yeah. I mean, like they re- that's how wild, that's how wide open this really is. You know, I mean, like for, for me, if let's say the Rangers weren't drafting at two and they were drafting somewhere in this, like three to you know eight range where they probably, I mean, or they wouldn't be at three, but like that, that, you know, um, eight range ish. You know, well, I would been a have been seven or eight. A, yeah, right. I would have want them to get a guy like maybe Turcotte Falls. Maybe if if Zegers is there, you definitely snatch him. You know, like yeah. those are the kind. Cole Caulfield, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe if those two were gone, maybe you reach you reach for him. A little it's early. a completely
0: maybe. different scenario when, if you have the seventh overall pick because there are so many players who fall in in that group of players that that you may want to go do more, want to go with.
1: Yeah, like if you look at a lot of mock drafts and then you watch actual drafts, usually what happens is like the first few picks, everyone kind of has right. And then after that, it's complete chaos.
0: Yeah, I remember when uh, when Matt Barzal fell to, I think, 16th. um, I expected him to go top five that year and a lot of other people as well. Uh, Some players just fall for, for unknown reasons um and yeah if you if you watch the draft and you make a list what i do every year with a couple of friends we make a list for the first round and we have like a point system uh if you guess the position correct you get 20 points if you're off by one spot you get 15 points if you're off by two three spots you get 10 points
1: huh.
0: if you're off by four or five spots it's five uh and if you're off by um uh, by 6 to 10 then it's 1 point if you're off by more than 10 no points. Huh. And it's 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 very interesting because you don't just get points for getting someone exactly right. Like if you're very lucky to to guess the guy who goes 17th overall then hey, you get 20 points. But if you if you had him at like 15 then it, it's an interesting
1: yeah, game we play every year. Right. So, yeah, maybe you want to join me this year, Craig. Yeah, I might, I might actually do that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I, I, we're all going to do so terrible.
0: <laughs> oh, we will get our hopes up every year, and it's, it's awful. Like you said, outside of the top three, it's, it's a dumpster fire. It's, it's yeah, we, we'll,
1: we'll all get the first few right, and then after that, it'll just yeah. be like chaos.
0: Although, last year, I had Kravtsov at nine, but that was, that was 99% wishful thinking. Oh wow. Because so. I just wanted us to pick Krafts off, and we had the ninth overall pick. So as a fan, I went with Craftsov at nine. And that was the only one outside of the top th- outside of the top uh, three that I had.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, it's interesting to look at it that way. And and if you if you look at it that way, if you with friends, if you reward yourself for being slightly off, then at least you you know that you were in the right in the right vicinity. With guessing. Yeah. But that's it. It's just a guessing game because we never know what the lists look like. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Rangers will do also with the 20th overall pick. Because now that the conference finals are set, uh, it's also set that our uh, pick from Winnipeg will be 20th. Yeah, Uh, and
1: I'm actually excited. Um, So, what I'd like to do you know, um, is, is see what we can do with that, with that pit. And as I say that, wow, Boston is up three, nothing. Sheesh, man. They're they're running away with us. I mean, today's game anyways. Um, But yeah, down the road, let's, you know, uh, let's have a chat. Uh, Maybe we'll bring in some guests and we'll start talking about these, these later picks start analyzing the draft after the top two, because I think, I think we're going to be doing so much use caco talk, that it's going to be ad nauseum and I think that we forget how much that there's actually quite a bit of talent in this first round yeah yeah
0: true true so, um by the way
1: are we good uh, for the day sorry was that our last question
0: uh that was our last question quickly on Boston if Boston reaches the final and they play San Jose I, I would actually think I would actually want to see Joe Thornton lift the cup in Boston
1: Oh, I am, I, am, I am on team anybody but Boston.
0: <laughs> no, no, but think about it. Joe Thornton lifts the cup in Boston and then retires from hockey.
1: Yeah, no, sign me up for that. If, <laughs> if, if, Joe, if Joe Thornton wins a Stanley Cup with the San Jose Sharks against the Boston Bruins, I mean, that's yeah, just th- – that writes itself. That's poetic. It really is.
0: That's – you know, and this is – I wish the NHL would do something like the NFL does, you know? Where the NFL does all these documentaries like A Football Life. That's that's what the NHL should do.
1: Yeah, the NHL does lack in some things. Some yeah. Yep. So, uh,
0: so, yeah, but
1: anyways, those were all our questions.
0: Um, there was one question, but I'll answer that one quickly. Um, Maxwell asked about the Kako signed pucks. Um, oh
1: yeah, let's talk about that before we before we sign off. Anyways,
0: yeah. Uh, so I was in uh, Brno, Czech Republic last week uh, at the Euro Hockey Tour. Um, and at the Finland-Russia game, which Finland won 3-1, um, I was able to uh, talk to Kapokako Kako quickly and he signed some pucks for me. And uh, I did a giveaway earlier with pucks signed by Nils Lundqvist when I was in Sweden. Um, and so I have three pucks that I'm giving away, signed by Kapokako, Kako. And I asked people to follow me, uh, like, the, like the tweet and retweet. Uh, and then at the end of the World Championship Tournament, the day of the final, which is the 26th in exactly two weeks, we're recording this on the 12th, uh, the final, that day is when I will announce the, the draw, the three winners. Uh, the three winners will be tagged in a separate tweet, and then the three lucky winners can send me their details, and I'll ship it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome, huh?
0: Yeah, and, you know, i just like to share some of the wealth, so to speak. Uh, luckily, I'm in a position where, where I can actually meet some of these players. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they actually signed four pucks, but I'm keeping one for myself. Yeah, <laughs> <Rumbling>. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone's okay with that. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Kaka signed pucks. I think the retweets are over 1,100 already, so... Um, It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But uh, once the, um, like I said, once the final is played, then, uh, then the draw will be announced. And like last time, I will use uh, a website called Tweet Draw. Uh, I will record a video, short video where the three winners are drawn completely at random. Um, and yeah, hopefully for you, whoever is listening, maybe you're lucky enough to win one.
1: Sounds good. All right, let's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sign off for the day and then we'll talk to you guys later on in the week. Uh, next time we, we hit up you guys, um, looks like we'll probably have some more um, CACO talks and more of the uh, International World Tournament. And by then we'll probably have a little bit better idea of what's going on with these um, conference finals here. It's looking like Boston's going to take a, a commanding 2-0 lead and obviously San Jose won big the other night. So we'll see where we are in the conference finals next time we chat with you guys.
0: Yep. Sounds good to me.
1: All right. Have a good day, guys, and let's go hockey.
0: All right. Go.